Hello, and welcome to the Mile High Church Podcast. Join us and some very special guests as we dive in together, open our hearts, and get real to discuss what we've been thinking about. Hey, it's Barry, and I'm back, and I got a friend of mine. Actually, it's my next-door neighbor here, Haley Diltz, and um, I know that you're a critical care nurse, and you've been working at that. You've stepped away a little bit because you just had a baby who's a buddy of mine, too. And so I just want you to uh, introduce yourself and uh, tell us a little bit about what you do. Sure. Thank you so much for having me here. I I do genuinely appreciate it. And yes, as you said, I have been a neurotrauma critical care nurse for about eight years. Um, After experiencing a few cycles of caregiver burnout, it kind of led me on my own spiritual and self-care journey. So it led me to receive a master's in complementary and integrative health. Um, I am completing a uh, health and life coaching certificate, and I also am a registered yoga teacher and a Yusui Reiki master. Okay, so that's that's a lot of stuff. It so, you're, so you're qualified to talk to me. I would say. I, I would assume so. Yes. How, how you do? And you got a baby on the way too. So how are you I feeling? Do. I'm I'm feeling very very good. So very optimistic. You know, moving through the future and busy nonetheless. Yeah. A, a different way of caregiving, but um, in all the best ways. Well, um, you know, I just got to know you from uh, living next door, and I was interested for our uh, for our podcast here and our listeners. Our initiative has been about health and well being this year, and just about. I know that you've worked with a lot of nurses in terms of uh, burnout as being a caregiver, and lots of people who are individuals wind up in in the role of caregiver for an aging parent or a friend who's gotten hurt or something. So just wanted you to talk a little bit about uh, how does a caregiver take care of themselves when they find themselves in that position? Yeah, that's kind of the golden question. Um, you know, we're often taught how to take care of other people, but we're not always taught how to take care of ourselves in the best way. And it something that tends to come with experience and trial and error, and we don't always get it right the first time. So um, after being able to take a step away from the bedside about a year and a half ago, I really did shift my focus in working with other healthcare professionals and primarily nurses to be able to realign their core values and beliefs with how they show up for their patients, but really how they show up for themselves. Um, and it's it's been a journey, to say the least. Um and uh, what I've realized is it can really do it can really translate to um, anyone that steps into that caregiving role. Oftentimes, we give and we give and we give, and we don't always know how to be on the receiving end of that. So we don't really know how to replenish the vessel from which we pour. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know you, you were on the front end of the COVID pandemic thing when mm-hmm. uh, when that really started to to heat up. You were at the bedside then, and how do you think that affected uh, you know the profession, the nursing nursing profession, and the caregiving profession? Yeah, it, it certainly has shifted it in a way. If if anything, it has revealed um, a, a lot of good things and, and bad things about the system as a whole. Um, but on the individual level, it really did kind of shed light that um, we really need to have that self-compassion and that tenderness to really go home and fill our reserve back up in order to to show up the next day as our whole selves to be able to, to give um, from that overflow. And oftentimes, uh, we don't really know how to fill that cup back up. So when we find ourselves in a position where we are looking for resources and we really don't know where to start so that's kind of the role that i've stepped into is 
really kind of being that compass. And it's different for each individual um, to, to what those modalities may look like. Mm -hmm. So a lot of what caregiving looks like is it's a lot of compounding stress. It's a complex stress syndrome. And it can look very different professionally than it can out in the community. But some similarities is that emotional exhaustion, um, those uh, changes in personality or depersonalization and feeling that we're not having um, those personal accomplishments or being able to practice or give or wear those other hats um, within our life and, and be able to do it at our fullest capacity. Yeah. Well, one of the things you and I talked about is that there's a feeling that your, your life is kind of shrinking mm -hmm. because this task is pulling so much of your energy and kind of your psychic uh, storehouse is just kind of diminishing as, as you take care of this other person. And uh, uh, so I think where do people go to get that kind of help and where do they where do they get started i guess is the thing whether you're as a i mean whether you're a nurse or whether you're just uh you know somebody's son that's trying to take care of their mom yeah um no that's a great question i think it's really important to realize that there is most oftentimes this underlying experience of grief that happens um yeah. when we are burnt out or stressed or kind of in that caregiving role and to be able to kind of be present with that grief experience and to even acknowledge it is a really great first step. Yeah. Um, it's also important to realize that a lot of times, you know, we feel as though we have this moral obligation to, to give, um, but we don't always allow ourselves to open up to receive. And that can be really vulnerable for a lot of people to step into that role of receiving. Yeah. So... Um, in order to um, really do that, there's this yogic philosophy that keeps coming to mind, aparigraha, and it is open-handed living. So it is open to receive, but also open to give, and without kind of having that um, expectation of an exchange. So when you're able to put yourself in a position where you are open to receive, mm -hmm. um, the universe can open a lot of opportunities for you. And a lot of time that's just knowledge coming back to you Yeah, um, in, in ways that um, we're kind of updating old mechanisms of coping and old mechanisms of self-care that may have served us at one point in time um, in our lives, but maybe not in this present moment. Well, I like the thing that you brought up about grief, because I think a lot of times when we're, we're caregiving someone else, we're uh, kind of grieving the life that we had before. Not only Absolutely. this other person, but the, the life that we had before, and then our life is being consumed by this. And that can, that can bring up anger, and it can bring up resentment. Then you've got shame that you're, that you're feeling that way. And I think that, you know, I think the thing that, uh, that you're bringing up is like being able to talk to other people that are in similar roles, I think is, a, is an important thing too. And I think that you work, you're intending to work with nurses in that way too, to be able to do group work as well, right? Absolutely. Loss can be experienced in a varying degree. And so to be able to recognize that other people are in similar experiences, and although uniquely perceived, there is a community out there that is stepping into this role of caregiving for someone. Um, and so to be able to 
reach out and have that support and to be able to put yourself in, in a place of vulnerability to maybe not even know what you're asking for, but to say, Hey, you know, I'm struggling here. Mm -hmm. Um, does anyone else have any opportunities or experiences or words of wisdom? It's, it's quite profound to see the most simplistic ways that people show up and, and how profoundly they can really impact us. Um, Another thing to remember is when we're holding space for someone that we're caring for, we're really um, allowing them, in addition to the tasks and the skills that are required, um, we're really holding space for them to meet their experience. And I think that also is a reflection of us also knowing what our current experience is in that role of caregiving. So to be able to take time to reflect with self-compassion and, and without judgment to be able to recognize where we are at in any given time yeah. really helps us to bring some mindfulness to um, the experience and, and to be able to show up a little bit more fully present or to be able to set healthy boundaries or ask for that help yeah. to be able to take time to, again, replenish that vessel. Yeah, because there's, you know, there's, I think there's fear involved, too, of, of you know, what's going to happen next and, and that feeling of just being out of control. What can I, what can I control here and what can't I control? And I think that, uh, I think another thing is the thing of asking for help. Is there, a, is there any kind of a stigma for nurses if they, if they ask for help? Uh, and if they're trying to find a professional to help them or find a group to work with, is that uh, is that cool? Yeah, well, we are still kind of breaking down these walls, even currently within our profession, to be able to seek mental health resources. And it's somewhat of an old paradigm that if, you know, if you're able to, you know, if you're seeking mental health resources, then maybe you're not able to show up in your job at your fullest capacity uh, to, to effectively take care of someone else. And it couldn't be any further from the truth um, to be able to invest in yourself and make sure that your health and wellness is your first priority allows you to show up more fully for your patients. Um, and the same goes for caregiving out in the community um, to be able to recognize that this takes all of us. It really is a collective and to be able to um, outsource that sometimes and to resource from the community really only makes you more proficient and, and be able to show up more fully for the person that you're caring for. Yeah, so. well, you know, that's one of the things around here where I was, uh, we've got a lot of practitioners, you know, spiritual practitioners, and mm -hmm. we always say everybody should have a practitioner. You know? yeah. So trying to <laughs> break down that idea that if, you, uh, if you're looking for help, there's something wrong with you. And I think mm -hmm. that that's the thing is we, uh, as we try to get better at taking care of each other, whether we're in, you know, in, in some kind of a traumatic situation or just on a day-to-day -day situation, I think the thing of getting support and getting help is uh, it, it's just an important part of it. That, and we do have to break down that stigma. Absolutely. Um, and, and, you know, caregiver burnout and, and stress can be perceived in so many different ways. Um, you can have physical manifestations, so you can have, you know, uh, an increased risk of cardiovascular disease and diabetes and sleep disturbance and GI disorders is a very common one. Um, in addition to mental emotional, which is depression, anxiety, PTSD, and then you have spiritual distress, those mm -hmm. feelings of hopelessness and a disconnection between your that which is greater. And so to to be able to reach out professionally and amongst peers and, and kin and community to really kind of just strengthen the net that holds you um, can only benefit you um, and, and to be able to recognize that um, 
sometimes when we're dealing with this complex stress to really allow yourself to ease into the experience where not so much in an act of self-preservation, but to really hold yourself and your health and your wellness at a high priority um, is really important. Yeah, and I think that that's the thing that people kind of feel, uh, you know, feel some shame about. Like, why should I be doing this? You know, um, this person really needs my help. And why am I going out uh, to take a yoga class or to walk around the lake or something like that? But I think that that concept of, uh, you know, as they tell you on an airplane, you got to put your own mask on first. I think for caregivers, they can just get worn down if they don't do that, if they don't take good care of themselves. And I think... You know, I, I think it really came into um, the forefront of our awareness with uh, nurse, nurses and healthcare workers during the pandemic, but it's still going on. It seems like it goes away, but it never goes away. And I think that you have to find a way with your disciplines, with meditation and, and yoga and, and, and working out so that you maintain a healthy balance because you're always you're dealing with people who are um, for some reason are out of balance because they need your help and support. But it, it it puts a lot of emphasis on the caregiver to keep themselves in balance and to do things that bring them joy, too. Uh, absolutely. And, and you bring up a great point with feelings of guilt and shame. And I think with any profession that is so closely intertwined with, you know, a, a calling or a purpose, um, when you're not able to practice in the way that you want to, um, when you're, when you're not able to give, um, in the way that you want to, because of varying things, whether it's a lack of resources or time constraints or whatever that may look like for you, um, it, it's definitely easy to feel a little bit isolated and mm -hmm. to not want to share that experience because it can kind of feel like a, a failure, so to speak. And it's not necessarily true. It's just we're practicing the best we can in the capacity and the resources that we have. Um, so I think that it's that's where community really does come into play to be able to not only share our experiences with others, but to really find those relationships that um, have kind of that that shared um, experiences of, of grief and and love and and what that may look like moving forward. It kind of helps us to develop that foundation that we can really ground into. Um, and resource from within. I wanted to ask you too, you know, a lot of people are, you know, caring for, uh, either caring for people who are aging or people who have, uh, you know, chronic illnesses. Mm -hmm. And then there's always that question of, do I need more help? Do they need to be in a professional place rather than me taking care of them? And there's guilt and shame about that, especially with families uh, who are taking care of parents and stuff like that. How do you, how do you make that kind of decision? How does a caregiver... Uh, you know, bring their heart to that decision because it's one of the most difficult things that there is. It absolutely is, and it can cause a lot of distress to an individual, to a family system, to whomever may be a part of that decision, um, and to the individual who's experiencing illness themselves. Um, and so a lot of times these are difficult and challenging conversations, but that's what it takes is a conversation. Um, communication is is key. And I've found in my experience in the ICU to, to be able to bear witness to someone's worst day or a really challenging point in their life, to be able to um, show up in a way that is 
very humbling is by far one of the blessings that had come with my job. So it is not easy to sit down with um, members of a family and a patient and whomever may may be included in this conversation and show your vulnerabilities. Um, But you do it in the best interest of the patient. And again, it's meeting their experience without projecting your own. Yeah, that's good. That's that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, so if anything, it's really just being, again, present in that moment. And are we doing honor by and and are we valuing this person's core values and beliefs? And the answers to that aren't always easy. Oftentimes we communicate very differently. We come from different life experiences, different cultures, uh, different ways of of making these decisions. So the, the best advice that I could have is to really have that open line of communication. And even if it takes several conversations is to be able to show up to the experience as best as we can. And uh, again, it is reminded me of another yogic philosophy is, uh, you know, Svatayaya, uh, which is knowing yourself. And in order to show up to someone else's experience, we also must know where we are in our own experience. And it allows us to bring more mindfulness and consciousness into these conversations. And oftentimes there's no right or wrong answer. It's just what's most right for this individual who's going through this. Well, I, th- I like what you talk about about being in being in the present moment because I think when you're dealing with family members, you're kind of holding them in a different place. You're holding them in the past, mm-hmm. uh, and you, you have fears about the future. And, and what you, in, in your profession as ICU nurse, you, you got to get them totally into the present. And I think that that's that's really one of the the things that's important for a, for a caregiver too. Is like where where are we now? And I need to get comfortable where we are now. And I need to help you get comfortable where you are now too. Absolutely. And I think it's really important to really sit with what we're feeling as well, and to recognize that sometimes these can be really emotionally charged conversations. Yeah. And. Emotions are, are a very neutral energy, and that's something that I've really had to come to learn. It was not an easy concept for me at first. The emotions are neither good nor bad. They just are, and they provide a lot of information back to us. Mm-hmm. Um, Amelia and Emily Nagoski wrote a really great book called Burnout and How to Complete the Stress Cycle. And one of the metaphors that I really love is that emotions are like tunnels, Um, They are a part of our natural infrastructure, and we must uh, move through them in order for them to to be behind us. And when we get stuck in these tunnels is when they can really cause us some issues and some problems. So to be able to show up to these conversations and these experiences and allow these emotions to, to come with that experience without allowing them to get stuck or suppressed uh, really does help us to make the best decisions that we can for ourselves and for our loved ones. That's a beautiful metaphor right there, the tunnel thing, because I think a lot of people are afraid to go into the tunnel Mm -hmm. uh, because because of the emotions, and they're afraid of their emotions and afraid of what's going to come next. But I think looking at it as a place we're going to move through, and it's just part of the human experience, but it's difficult. And I think with families, especially difficult, because you have your you have your role in the family. You know, I was the kid, now I'm the caregiver, and now I've got to take care of my mom instead of my mom taking care of me. And I think there's a big, uh, there's a big change in role there that keeps us from wanting to go into that 
into that tunnel and to have that conversation. Like you said, I think those conversations are really important and to not to not duck them. You know, in your business, you can't duck them because they're <laughs> right in front of you all the time. But I think for um, for family members, for people who are just who are just trying to help, it can be difficult to have those conversations. Absolutely. And oftentimes we have to have them with ourselves before we're able to show up with each other. <laughs> That's where the party's going on, isn't it? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, we just got to get clear what we're trying to do. And, and the thing that you talked about, about um, being there to serve and being there to listen and to be open handed. And we ne need to get help for ourselves and see what, you know, what am I firing on here? What am I afraid of? What am I afraid of? Absolutely. I, I think when you ask yourself, you know, is this coming from a place of fear? It helps to sift through um, a, a few directions that you can go through. Um, but also, I, I think that um, really allowing yourself the space and the grace to sit with what you're going through so that you can show up to those conversations with your family allows things to go a little bit more uh, gracefully, if mm -hmm. you will. Um, or at least you have a little bit more clarity in where you're coming from. Um, and again, that may take time and that's yeah. okay. Yeah. Okay, good. All right. Well, um, so somebody who's up against it now and uh, is a caregiver and feeling fried and stressed and burned out, uh, where do they start? <laughs> yeah, it, they start with themselves and it is not an easy place to start. Um, but again, when people kind of show up to this world of self-care or being open to self-care, mm -hmm. um, a, a lot of times we don't know where to start. And the most simple place that I could say is placing one hand over your heart and one hand over your belly and taking a nice big breath in and just knowing that you have all the resources available to you to move forward in your self-care journey. Um, when we're able to do that, we kind of connect to that innate wisdom that we have, our intuition. Yeah. And it does kind of point us in a subtle direction forward. Because again, a self-care, uh, I don't want to say regimen, but a self-care practice really may look differently for, for everyone else um, and for individuals. Some may really like meditation and journaling and you know, sitting within the company of themselves and other people, you know, may need to go out and have a little bit more of a physical somatic discharge and run and exercise or dance around the room singing at the top of their lungs. Mm -hmm. But again, it's, it's discharging energy. There is a reason why rage rooms exist where you can pick up a sledgehammer <laughs> and go and break some stuff. It, it really does look differently for everybody. Yeah. Um, but to put a dot on the map to really get started is just placing one hand over your heart and one hand over your belly and taking a nice, big, deep breath in. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you for, for being here today, Haley, and uh, thank you for the work that you do, and uh, I wish you all the best. And anybody who's out there listening, um, take care of yourself. That's the thing. You deserve to take care of yourself. All right. Thank you for being with me today, and I will see you again soon. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah.